Hey everyone, welcome to Give Me The D. And I'm talking details, dramas, dilemmas, discussions and all the dirt. When it comes to love and romance, there's stress and struggles, but there's also a journey of self-discovery, learning from the past and growing through experience. This show captures juicy stories, deep conversations and personal breakthroughs. I'm your host, the damsel in dating distress. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to another episode of Give Me the D. Born and raised in Berkeley, California, now living in Lisbon, Portugal, I have Zara Franks on the show with me. So she's an intuitive relationship advisor, helping women find their match by addressing mind, body and voice. Her methodology combines ritual somatic practices, guided visualization and intuitive readings to give clarity, confidence and connection in love. Zara, lovely to have you here. Thank you for joining me. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Yeah. I'm really excited about the topics we're about to discuss because actually I haven't covered these at all. So I think it'll be really interesting for the listeners and even for myself. So hopefully we'll get some golden nuggets of information from you. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So before we get stuck in, um, I'd love to know a bit more about you and how you're currently working with your clients and what was the defining moment that inspired you to create this path Yeah, yeah. So right now I do one-on-one coaching and I have a three-month and a six-month program in which we kind of do focus on a lot of self-inquiry and helping you connect deeply with yourself and we address mind, body, and voice. So, you know, your mental state, your inner landscape, uh, your voice, how you're articulating yourself to yourself, to others, communication, all that good stuff. And of course, body, uh, because as they say, the issues live in the tissues. (laughs) So I haven't heard that. That's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We do some guided breath practices, um, movement, you know, some whatever resonates with people, dance, you know, whatever they are called to do we will work with that to you know really release ourselves and dig deeper from what you've described it seems like you draw from a lot of spiritual and philosophical traditions and practices which yeah. I guess helped you with forming your approach uh, with your clients and yourself as well so would you say there are any specific materials or exercises or even workshop that you've used personally to aid with your own development yeah yeah well um of course, I started using myself as a guinea pig, you know, <laughs> way back when. And of course, up until today, you know, the work never really stops. But um, I really found a lot of uh, deep work through somatic work through yoga, mm-hmm. um, a very particular kind of yoga forest yoga helped me uh, hone my somatic practice and do some physical healing, which helped me heal my nervous system. Um, and also my meditation practice, I started at a fairly young age. And through, you know, being very curious, how does this stuff work? Studying some different philosophers, young, and uh, some people who combine spiritual practice with philosophy, like one of my new favorites, Dr. Polly Young Eisendrath. She's just been like such an angel <laughs> and a resource. Um, so yeah, just through being curious and reading a lot and then trying different practices out on myself and ultimately just seeing what resonates with me and now what resonates with my clients. So 
I discussed this with another guest actually in the past and I was saying that you know you can read so many materials you can attend so many workshops but if you don't actually put that into action it doesn't really help you in any way does it totally it's all in theoretical land at that point you know action is very important so you know there's every week with my clients we have different assignments and exercises that we do to put it into practice and make it real yeah speaking of healing the first thing I wanted to cover was jealousy in dating and relationships in my mind the way I can describe jealousy at its core it's all about low self-esteem that's kind of what it roots to and you don't feel confident in yourself or you feel like you don't deserve the love of your partner, then you project those insecurities onto them. Do you think small doses of jealousy is healthy in a relationship? Yeah, well, I think that small doses of jealousy are are a natural human emotion. So Mm -hmm. we all experience that. And if you are experiencing that, it's important to know that there's nothing wrong with you. It's natural. Uh, how far you let that take over your world is up to you at the end of the day. So like you were saying, like maybe it's attached to, um, you know, low self-esteem and such and things like that. And maybe it's habitual. Maybe you've had some bad experiences in the past and they're bleeding over into your new experiences. And, you know, yeah, I, I have... Uh, I've of course experienced jealousy in my life, but um, I have a threshold for how I want that to really negatively affect me. So I kind of treat it like a, like a signal, like, uh, like a little alarm bell, like, hey, something's not quite right. And maybe it's something with me or maybe it's something with my partner. Uh, usually it's, you know, a bit of both. <laughs> so sure. yeah, um, yeah, I think, I think it is, totally natural and workable and it is not a death sentence by any means. (laughs) I agree. I'd say, I mean, no matter how chill you are as a person or how rational you want to be, I think it's like you said, it's very natural to be uh, jealous, but also I think in small doses, it's good because at least it means that you care about the relationship working. Yeah. Uh, On the other side of that is uh, apathy. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. However, once that envy or jealousy gets out of control, I think that's when it becomes highly destructive. You were saying that you've experienced jealousy. What do you think are some signs to look out for in terms of unhealthy and almost toxic behavior? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, um, if you find yourself wanting to do something that kind of, (laughs) that has like a is it like a short-sighted action? Like uh, I had a client who really wanted to uh, spy on her boyfriend's cell phone. Okay, you know, we could do that. But what happens after that? And what kind of uh, environment are you setting up there for yourself and your partner? You, right away, you're saying, I don't trust you enough mm-hmm. to communicate openly with you. And I don't trust myself to accomplish that communication. So suddenly everyone's limited um and you're you might not trust your partner so you want to look at their phone but um suddenly you are uh, not acting trustworthy <laughs> so uh-oh now we're just in a no no trust zone you know and everything is about lack of trust so double-edged yeah. sword isn't it yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. um 
so in that case, you know, if you find yourself, you know, think about what happens next after whatever action you want to take. And is it coming from a place of love or wanting the best for yourself or someone else, you know? I think you've that really well. I have to admit, when I was in my early 20s, kind of like my teens, maybe, I mean, I had like issues, trust issues. So I was checking my ex's phone and you think those actions would reassure you. It makes you feel better because this will answer any uncertainties that are going through my mind. But actually it makes yeah. you more anxious than ever. Yeah, like, yeah. You find anything, especially you're just like, well, where is the evidence? And you're <laughs> creating this scenario in your mind that's just not coming to fruition. Um, yeah. Yeah, surveillance is... Fire, don't they? <laughs> yeah, surveillance is not necessary. Yeah, um, uh, you know, I understand you don't want to get hurt again, you know, again or for the first time, I, I don't know. But um, you're thinking, and anxiety really masquer- masquerades as like uh, rationality, you know. Yeah. Well, if I look at the phone or if I do the jealous action, then I will know. And then I won't be in a position where I will get hurt. But that's like you said, it doesn't really work out that way. And it's, it's not really getting to the root, you know. What other signs would you say is quite unhealthy or toxic from your experience? Well, yeah, okay, so we've got the spying, but we also have the limiting freedoms, you know, Um, I don't want my partner to hang out with other people of the opposite sex, or I don't want, or they don't want me to hang out with, you know, have more of a social life, like that can come up. Bottom line, jealousy inhibits your ability to be deeply intimate with someone. So there may be a a fear wrapped up in there. And that that's kind of tricky, because you're thinking, no, I really, really want to be in love, or really want to be close to this person. But you're taking actions that are going to sabotage going deeper with that person so getting closer you know so maybe even you yourself as the jealous person are sabotaging things with your jealousy you know so it's a good point that you raised about not wanting to separate from your partner that's a sign that you need to learn to enjoy your own company and Mm -hmm. cultivate personal interests and your independence as well Yeah, you know, ultimately, like we, uh, we're sold some messages on relationships, uh, that they're supposed to fulfill us completely. But the, the truth is, and the reality is when you get in a deep, deeply intimate partnership, you you still are responsible for filling up your own cup, so to speak. So I, that's why I like to treat jealousy as a signal. Like, what am I not getting that I need? Mm. Maybe I'm the kind of person who really values quality time. And maybe my partner is spending a lot of time away from me, but maybe we're spending enough time together and I still feel like I need more. Well, how can I, what can I give to myself that will fill that void? Because as much as we love our partners and they are a huge part of our life, they cannot be everything to us. Yeah. Yeah. If jealousy is destroying a relationship, what do you think is the best way to verbally communicate your feelings? Like how would you address it with a partner? Yeah, well, this is um, not going to sound very appealing, <laughs> but <laughs> Go for the it. only thing that really neutralizes jealousy is transparency. Mm. And not a little bit of transparency, but full transparency. So on multiple levels. So 
you know, involve your partner in your thought process uh, before the shouting starts or before you start to spiral, <laughs> before the scenarios get going in your head. Like as some of those pop up before they get really bad, involve your partner, say, hey, I, uh, I'm having some thoughts come up here and I'm kind of spiraling and I don't want to do that. But if I don't let this out, then it's just going to get worse. So do you think you could help me out? I'm trying to, you know, make a change here. I, or I don't want to have the kind of relationship where we are sneaking around behind each other's backs and spying on each other and stuff like that. So maybe you could help me out and we can do something different than the usual spiral then fight <laughs> yeah like you said being very transparent and speaking from your heart because oh, sometimes yeah. it's really hard to admit these things as well that you know I am jealous because again it, it kind of puts you in a very vulnerable position and some yeah. are very uncomfortable with doing that but if you're not vulnerable there's no way to make a relationship work without vulnerability absolutely we're all craving that deep connection but yeah. the price of admittance is vulnerability um now i mean not every person you're dating is signed on with you at that level mm. so it's not so much about okay if i am vulnerable then they'll be vulnerable with me it, it's not a trade it's just a way of being and be vulnerable until you find someone who can match your vulnerability you know yeah. So, you know, you might not always get a good reaction with the transparency. The other person might not be ready to be transparent with you. Um, whatever you say to them might trigger their own uh, stuff. So the important part is to remember that you're, you're participating in this vulnerability and transparency as a, um, as a principle, you know, as a, as a way, because, you know, it'll serve you better than the spiral, <laughs> the spiral fight. What do you think we can do to replace limiting beliefs and replace those with empowering thoughts and confidence? What are your tips? Yeah, yeah. Well, this is ongoing stuff. So the first part is to just recognize that these things are happening. Yeah. Baby steps, you know. Um, we live in kind of a demanding world, you know, fast-paced world. So, you know, get it get it fast, get it done, you know, but these are concepts that don't have really an end point, but, and they're, they're not big steps um, and growth and healing happens slowly. And those are big wins, you know, when you can recognize some of these thoughts. So I would say just start there. And if you can recognize like, oh, I'm feeling a little jealous or, oh, I did a, you know, thing here. Like I looked at their phone or, oh, you know, just recognize and then congratulate yourself for recognizing that and then do something slightly different next time. If you can't do a full change, of course, which is, you know, a lot, choose small steps, you know, like small steps in your life. If you are running a lot of scenarios on your partner, you know, recognize that and then, you know, go physically go do something else. <laughs> yeah. yeah, call a friend, uh, you know, it, or like, it, yeah, enlist some help. So yeah, small steps, recognizing, congratulating, and switching the tracks. So change your go for a walk, you know, go make yourself a tea, like more kindness, more kindness for yourself. Great tips. 
So the next topic I wanted to move on to is actually, it actually falls within the same branch, but, and because it's such a widespread subject, I've chosen to narrow it down and focus on a couple of areas. So anxiety in dating relationships. I thought it'd be quite interesting to zoom in on anxiety during the early stages of dating. And um, you mentioned it earlier, but why people choose to self-sabotage as a coping mechanism. Just kind of covering anxiety in relationships. I think it's very common. I think everyone has felt sort of level of anxiety, uh, big or small. And I think it's just simply because relationships, they entail ambiguity. Um, (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, personally, every time I date someone new, I'm always anxious, like at the beginning, especially because, you know, once I start developing feelings, I am like a nervous wreck. (laughs) My anxiety kicks in and it's usually because I want to know where things are going and I want to know that we're on the same page and I have zero chill. (laughs) At the beginning, I am like crazy. (laughs) In terms of your own kind of experience, have you felt the same and what was going through your mind and how did you address them? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, that nervousness that you described, especially in the beginning, um, what are they thinking? Where is this going? Um, Have I shared too much? Have I put myself out there too much? And all of that. Um, I would like to say that anxiety is um, worrying about things that haven't happened yet, right? But um, anxiety is also not your friend. Um, anxiety and fear thoughts don't have your best interests at heart. Um, coming from those places is never going to get you where you want to go. So again, just like recognizing that, but in those early stages, um, anxiety masks masquerades is something useful. Like, okay, if I think about this a lot, then I will solve it or then I'll know, what this person is thinking or what they feel for me. Um, And it's almost kind of like a, it's almost its own paradigm. So uh, wondering, you know, after you catch feelings for someone, like wondering if they return the feeling um, and if they're going to be a good long-term match for you or where is this going? Yeah, Those are questions uh, you actually can't answer. They don't have answers, you know? So just recognizing that, like if the person came to you and said, okay, I will give you all of those answers and then they behave differently. And I, and, you know, that wouldn't help, you know, <laughs> so because they don't even know themselves. Like yeah. it's, it's one of those unknowable things. Um, so it's soothing to know that you can kind of just like, there's nothing you can do to answer that question. <laughs> are they into me how into me are they (laughs) is this going anywhere uh do we have a future together in the first you know few weeks (laughs) or months you know it's it it is impossible to know um so what do we do we direct our energy towards something else you know busy ourselves um get curious you know it's of course okay to communicate I would say if you are spiraling in anxiety by yourself, you know, you're entering into a partnership and that means, you know, you've got to communicate with your teammate. (laughs) So yeah, just more communication helps, more information. You're kind of on like a fact-finding mission. Why do you think people cope with relationship anxiety by subconsciously sabotaging the relationship? 
yeah, well, you think, okay, well, if I um, dive out of here, if I, if I sabotage the situation, then I can confirm that this person was not the right person for me. Mm-hmm. And um, then I won't have to be hurt, basically. You know? So I can avoid getting my heart broken if I push the button now and you know exit um, and leave everything in a pile of flames. <laughs> so, and then I can look back and be like, well, it's on fire. So I definitely didn't want to do that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just, uh, I think it always just comes down to following our fears, you know, like why, why do you think you need to, you know, take whatever action it is that's sabotaging? You know, if you follow the why all the way down, it's usually because, you know, you don't want to be hurt. You don't want to have this like doomsday scenario. Like at the end of that action is a doomsday scenario in which like, you know, everything falls apart. Yeah. Um, but you know, you can't save yourself from hurt, not really. So, but what you can do is prepare yourself to handle pain and hurt because life is very full of a lot of joy and a lot of pain. So how we deal with that is way more important. So how, how would I deal with this pain if I continued with this person and things fell apart, um, you know, how would, how would, who would I be? Who do I want to be? What kind of person do I want to be in in these situations? So that's a more constructive question to try and answer for yourself, I think. Yeah. Have you ever taken any actions that have really helped you through your anxiety? Anything that you could share? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the mind lives inside the body. I find that if I am physically sitting still, Mm. uh, the anxiety will be higher. If I haven't eaten, if I haven't uh, exercised or just taken a walk or whatever it is, um, or like, you know, played, played, you know, Um, but also breathing. You know, if you notice at your most anxious moment where your breath is, it's probably pretty shallow. It's probably in your chest, your upper chest. Your stomach's probably still <laughs> gripping and there's not a lot of movement happening, you know, in the lower tummy. So, you know, take a deep breath and move that around. So yeah, movement and just bit the basic needs, you know, have you slept? Have you eaten? Have you moved around? Like, have you had um, social interaction? Have you phoned your friend? Have you seen your friend? That kind of thing. Those are very basic things that really make humans feel great. And just going back onto the subconscious subtle signs of sabotaging a relationship, what would you say to look out for? Asking yourself, if you're the one who's doing the sabotaging, where are my actions coming from? Hmm. Are they coming from a place of fear and anxiety or are they coming from a place of love? Hmm you'll find it is either or you know the the fear-based actions the anxiety-based actions they have kind of like a a short logic train you know um if i do this then that will happen um but it doesn't they usually don't um you're usually not thinking like three or four steps ahead like okay and then what and then what can i you're thinking three or four steps ahead into fear and anxiety but not three or four steps ahead with your eye on your goal. Mm-hmm. You're, you have your eye on your fear. Yeah. Um, so 
what is it that I want for myself? What it, what is it that I want from this other person? And how can I best communicate that whatever I need to communicate to get the thing that I need? Um, so, you know, usually it's running, it's like a running away from instead of a running towards kind of action. Yeah, I agree. I always class anxiety as almost like a third will in a relationship. Mm. <laughs> it's always there. It's always, it's like, it kind of yeah. just and then sometimes it joins the party and then sometimes it kind of disappears once you get control of it but um everyone goes through it right Um, yeah I'm so glad you brought that up the (laughs) yeah the third wheel because (laughs) I do like to think of my anxiety or um or jealousy you know whatever emotion that I'm having as a whole separate part of myself as a character like a Mm. I envision it uh as a part of me, you know, a version of me. And it's like, when it pops up, I'm like, oh, hello, <laughs> welcome back. Yeah. <laughs> um, ah, I don't really have that much time for you today. <laughs> I kind of need you to be over there, you know? <laughs> so yeah, to kind of separate those things out, like you are not your anxiety. You are not jealousy. Those are things that you exhibit like I am feeling jealous I am not a jealous person I just feel jealous about certain things or I have anxiety sometimes or often but I am not wholly an anxious person because then we get into personal narrative like what's the story you're telling yourself about yourself about who you are yeah you know that's kind of a resignation it's confirming and reinforcing you know beliefs about yourself so we want to be careful about what it is we sign up for to believe about ourselves yeah absolutely in terms of overcoming the anxiety or just limiting it at least uh, because I know like some people really struggle with it what Mm. would you say are some good steps to start with just pile on that self-care you know and that doesn't always mean taking a bubble bath or something like that. It means, you know, getting with yourself and like, maybe you've been working really hard or maybe you're just a little extra tired and you need a nap or, you know, it's usually something that's like you need playtime or you need nap time or something like that, you know, like rest or rejuvenation. So I I think it's so important, like getting, you know, a bit of extra sleep or just, taking a bit of time out and just not doing anything even. Totally okay to do nothing. And in fact, doing nothing is one of the most productive things you can do. Because <laughs> you can hear yourself think and uh, make a, make your next move with a clear head. <laughs> Sarah, I have a final question. What has been your biggest learning curve since starting relationship coaching? Well, I guess I would say I grew up in somewhat of a codependent household and I really learned how to get good at that (laughs) so so yeah just being really tied to other people's emotions and trying to uh whatever they were feeling I was feeling and not having quite enough um uh energetic disconnection energetic sovereignty for myself you know and um you know being able to just be my own person without uh, having everything also revolve around another. Um, so yeah, that was, that took a, you know, 
some years to parse, you know, because at first you're thinking, I'm spending a lot of time and energy on someone else and they're not doing any of the things that I want them to do. <laughs> and this is taking up a lot of my brain space. Um, and it's a roller coaster ride, but you're kind of making it about the other person, even in that. Um, so coming to terms with the role that I played in my previous relationships and how I would um, self-abandon or self-betray or put my needs always, always, always second. And then of course there would always, always, always be a price to pay <laughs> for that. It would take an emotional toll. So yeah, like learning to be my own ally and um, you know, learning to show up for myself first so that I can be the strongest partner I can be. Amazing. Yeah. So many of us have gone through that similar journey as well. Um, yeah. Codependency is, is a huge thing. And, you know, you said it took years to overcome it. And I think it really does can take, it can take so long. Like some people don't even discover those kind of issues until 40, 50. It can take. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's an ongoing thing, you know, and it's like, oh, I have grown up in a, in a place that taught me that, but then, uh, you know, it becomes like a tendency and then I just keep an eye on it, you know, like I always have to remind myself like, okay, well, what's going on now? What do you need? What's, you know, like just keep an eye on yourself, you know, but it's about, uh, like I said before, like being your own ally and getting with yourself on stuff, you know, like standing beside yourself and being the support that you need. Yeah. Ongoing project. <laughs> Absolutely. It's been so amazing speaking to you. I really appreciate creating this lovely space where we can just talk about these subjects so openly. And I've had a lot of fun and I've learned a lot. So thank you so much, Zara, for your time. Really welcome, you're welcome. And do you want to let the listeners know where they can find you, find out more about your work and what you do? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you can find me um, most actively on Instagram at Zara Marin Franks. And also on my website, zaramarinfranks.com. And um, you can sign up there for, I'm doing, right now I'm doing um, free 30 minute intuitive sessions. So take a look and see what's going on with you and give you some action steps. And um, yeah, there's that. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much, pretty much it for now. Um, I hope I can have some workshops later in the fall. I'm getting married in August, so <laughs> I'm a little bit busy with that. But yeah, yeah, hopefully we have some workshops coming up. Wow, that's beautiful. Oh my God, congratulations. That's, that's Thank you. <laughs> so to my listeners, I will, of course, drop all those details in the description once this episode goes live. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. Um, until next week, see you later. Bye.